Hello and welcome. You are listening to the Gay With God podcast, a safe place for us to share our stories and support one another. How long did we know? What challenges did we face? Did we lose our faith? When did we find our way back home? Or are we still searching? The stories you hear on this podcast will melt your heart and strengthen your belief that in God, all things are possible and you can be authentically gay with the God of your understanding. I'm your host, Midge Noble, and I am very honored that you are here. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Gay With God podcast. I am so glad that you're here. And today I want to introduce you to a very important guest that I have, and I'm so excited that we've met. We have just met, as a matter of fact, but I was so impressed with him that I needed to have him on the show, and he agreed to come right away. And so I was I was very honored that you chose to do that. So let me introduce to you the Reverend Father, Dr. J. Keith Brown. He is a speaker, teacher, coach, author, priest, beach boy, and cisgender bisexual man. He is a husband to his loving wife, Candace, father to his biological adult son and his wife, and stepfather to his two adult stepchildren. For over 30 years, Keith has spoken to audiences around the United States, taught classes for all ages, coached or mentored hundreds and hundreds of wonderful individuals, and published books of fiction and nonfiction. Keith's mission is to help LGBTQ plus Christians heal religious trauma, construct authentic and affirming faith, and develop healthy and happy relationships. Keith, welcome to the Gay With God podcast. Thank you so much. Boy, that's a mouthful. You did so well. Thank you. You're welcome. Pleasure to be with you. Well, I appreciate, like I said, I appreciate you coming because the work that you do is so relevant to the listeners and and to me because we've, if you've been in the church at all and and you realized that you were on the LGBTQ mm-hmm. IA plus mafia, <laughs> the letter mafia. Right. Um, it, it becomes a real battle between sexuality and the Bible. So I would love for you just to make this podcast yours and just tell us your story. Well, thanks. I appreciate that. Yeah, I, I grew up in uh, conservative Southern Belt, North Carolina, and uh, grew up in a Christian home. And my parents had me in church all the time. I'm very thankful for that. I'm thankful for the, the exposure to the church that they gave me. I grew up in a Southern Baptist environment. Uh, my family are still Southern Baptist. Mm-hmm. I have Southern Baptist pastors in my family, so you can only imagine the conservative nature of my upbringing. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew fairly certain and fairly early that I was a little bit different on the s- sexual identity or preference spectrum. Um, but at that time, I'm not a young man, so at that time, the even the concept of bisexuality was not even something that I had actually even heard when mm-hmm. I was young. It was either you were straight or you were gay. That was the only options that we even right. existed. Mm-hmm. I knew I was neither um, completely. And so I, I really didn't know how to deal with it. But I will say that I am basically hetero romantic. So that re- it never really came to a situation in that way, because I always dated females and I wound up marrying more than one female. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. I had some broken marriages, mm-hmm. but um, I, I never really came out of the closet, so to speak, except to my wives. And I did very clearly come out to them before they ever said I do. 
Mm-hmm. And to me, that was something that I had to do. I had to tell them who I was, how I was. Um, it didn't affect our relationship. And truthfully, the marriages that failed, I have had two broken marriages and now I'm happily married for the third time. My two other marriages did not fall or fail because of that sexual mm-hmm. identity. It was totally mm-hmm. unrelated. But yes, I grew up in the church. I heard all the stuff. I was called to what I believe called to ministry um, while I was married to my first wife. And the only place I knew I could serve was in the evangelical church. I mean, that was my background. And and truthfully, there were no affirming churches at that mm-hmm. time mm-hmm. that I was aware of. And mm-hmm. anyway, especially where we lived here in North Carolina. So um, it was the battle between, you know, do I just stay sh- shut up and leave that and put that in a closet, so to speak, and do what I feel called to do and use the gifts I believe I was gifted with to do. Mm -hmm. And that's sort of how I came to that. I I said, well, you know, I still believe I'm I'm called to do these things and to help and teach and, and minister in these ways. And this is the only way I can do it. And so I never spoke anything negative about the community um, I tried to bridge the gap as much as I can in my career, but I wasn't really out with it because if I had been, I would have, I could not have done my job. I could not have yes. done anything. Mm-hmm. I would have lost, lost it all. And that's a very hard place for people to be. And a lot of people don't understand that, but that mm-hmm. there are real decisions that have to be made around that. Right. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Well, even, you know, even as workers, you know, we were, um, when I was, a therapist with children in North Carolina, you know, saying if I had, if I had come out and then Mm -hmm. I took a child behind my closed door, you know, this community would have gone nuts if it had actually come out and happened. And it wasn't that I was necessarily in the closet, but you had to be super aware, you know, teachers can't even come out and teach in certain situations. So we all have to have a livelihood and there's no harm in taking care of yourself and making sure that you can get paid to do your job. I agree. It's, it, it's one of those things that it was very difficult for me and especially the older I got, mm-hmm. it was much more difficult. But what I, the, the saving grace for me, Mitch, was that some reason now I am a man of faith and I believe that it was a God thing. Okay. That's mm-hmm. just, that's my belief, but for some reason, over those 30 plus years of service, I had numerous time and time again, people of the LGBTQ plus community come to me in confidence to talk, to mm-hmm. share their struggle. They had no idea who or what I was personally, but for some reason they were attracted to me for that purpose. Uh-huh. And I think it's because they knew that they would receive a welcome they would receive love and they would receive confidence mm-hmm. of the fact that I wouldn't tell anybody. I mm-hmm. wouldn't share. And this was before I was a priest. So that had nothing to do with the sacrament. Mm-hmm. But this was something that I felt very good about because I was able to help a lot of people over those mm-hmm. 30 years and mm-hmm. learned a lot. And I shared from my experience and my knowledge and then dealing with issues that people brought to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was, I was grateful for that opportunity. So in that little way, I thought I was trying to do some good work. Sure. So I appreciate that opportunity. Um, well, I'm sure you did do some good work and I, I'm sure that lives were saved because of the work that you did. I hope so. I hope so. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically again, through most of my life, I knew who I was, my wives knew who I was, but 
I because again, going back to the in just in my case, I was mm-hmm. hetero romantic, outward facing to the world. I was just like everybody else in the quote normal world, right? <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I had a wife, I had a life, I had yep. a son. I, there was no reason. Um, and I didn't really feel the need because I, it's one of those pain gain things, you know? And at the time, I didn't really feel that there was enough gain for me to do anything personally. I was doing work, I was helping others. So I really didn't find the need for myself mm-hmm. to just, open up the doors and come crashing out like a lot of people do. I I didn't do that. Mm -hmm. Um, And still haven't done that. I practice what I call selective outage. That's a term term that I coined. I think it's starting to circulate a little bit now, but by what I mean by that is, you know, I, I just came out in bits and pieces the way I wanted and with people I trusted and how Mm -hmm. I felt right for me. Mm -hmm. And when I truly came out was when I had left the evangelical ministry. Um, I just couldn't do it anymore. I I couldn't hear the stuff. I couldn't deal with it anymore. I had to be true to myself and what I thought was right. So I did ultimately leave with the total support of my wife. And uh, at that point, I knew that for me to really connect on a broader scale with the people I wanted to help, I needed to be honest with them about who I was so that they could better relate to me. So that was the catalyst for me making any type of announcements whatsoever about who I truly was. Mm -hmm. Mm. And even the, even though you were ready, how scary was that to, (laughs) to make that step? Um, It it is, it is very difficult, especially if you are an older adult with Mm -hmm. a, you know, Many, many, but sometimes I look back and go, man, that's a lot of years behind me. But after <laughs> you've lived a long time, you know, yeah. you've established a life, you've got family, you've got kids, you've got friends. There's a lot of things that, and people don't know this about you. So there's a lot of intrepidation about it, especially for those that come out later in life. And there are real life decisions one has to make in that. Yeah. But um, I, there's a couple of folks in my life that I put boundaries with and I don't really discuss it because I know the response. Um, Mm -hmm. And for me to have a a loving relationship with these people, um, I choose not to talk about it with them. Mm -hmm. And that's a, that's a personal decision I've made. Mm -hmm. um, And it allows me to practice a boundary that still gives me the freedom to have a, a relationship with people that are important to me. Yeah. So, so does your family know that you do this work, whether they know you're out or not? Do they understand that you're serving the LGBTQ community and, and helping them through it? <laughs> I don't, I don't, you know what? I haven't talked to my extended family, but um, I don't know. Uh, I know that my, my siblings do. Um, I know that my mother and father do. I don't talk about it much with my mom. And, well, my dad passed away just just recently. Um, I'm sorry. Thank you. That was that was a hard thing for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I don't go, I don't disclose everything to my mom and dad because, uh, in respect to them, my love for them, my desire not to purposely hurt them. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I guess, in part of me being in the relationship that I have with my parents, I have tried to be very protective of them um, because you know they're they were older as well. And I, I just, I just love my mom and dad and yeah. I didn't want to do it. So 
they know what I was doing. They know why I was doing it, but they don't know all the details. And that's because mm-hmm. I, I just set a boundary said, look, we're not going to go there. We're going to spend our life together. We're going to enjoy each other. We're going to love each other. We're going to support each other. Mm-hmm. And we won't talk about what I'm doing because I know that it doesn't align with your beliefs. Mm-hmm. And so that's sort of worked out for me. Okay. I still have a relationship. I talked about my mom every single day. Um, <laughs> I am her sounding board and I hope somebody that she can depend on. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's, that's how I had to do it. And, mm-hmm. and it works for me. It's not ideal, but it it, it works. Well, and I respect that. You know, I know for some folks, in order for them to get over that hurdle of unworthiness, they have to, they have to do what they do. You know, we come out sometimes in order to, to validate ourselves and to feel Mm -hmm. that empowerment again, or to feel it for the first time. Um, And I, I truly respect people who can temper that, you know, that like the way you did it was so loving and kind and respectful. And I'm glad you were able to do that and still feel okay with yourself. And, and it may be different too, when you're, when you're living as a hetero romantic, um, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's right. not, it, it's the same, but yet it's not the same when your whole life, you know, to accept me means you have to accept me. You know? Yes. yes. <laughs> I, I, you're absolutely right. If I were a, a homosexual male, Mm-hmm. Or if I were a bi male that was in a relationship with another male, th- right. it would be a totally different dynamic. Yeah. Or if I was working, if I was dating men, yes, I I give that one hundred ten percent, and that's mm-hmm. what it, you, you know the listener needs to understand that I I get that. Yeah, every situation is different, and yes. because of my situation, there were things that I felt good about doing for me. Yes, um, I I I didn't need the affirmation from them to feel good about myself. Mm-hmm. Um, the one person that made me feel the most good about me is my current wife. Uh-huh. Um, she's given me a lot of strength and a lot of courage. And so I appreciate that. And the affirmation of knowing that, you know, when I've talked to people and when I'm helping people that feeds me, but probably the thing that helps me the most is that I had such a strong faith mm-hmm even because of all the negativity and all the banishment and all the, you know, you're going to hell and everything I heard people say for all those years, that didn't affect my personal faith because I had done the hard work myself. I had gone to seminary. I had studied. I had learned Hebrew and Greek and done all the exegesis and I had done all the work. So I had established a faith that they couldn't affect. Uh-huh. You know what I'm saying? Because yes. so, my faith was mine. And whatever you said, you're just speaking out of your mouth, but I'm not owning that because uh-huh. I have spent years pouring into this and building my authentic faith for myself. You can't change that. You can't impact that because it's mine. And because of that, I felt, you know, that's where my strength comes from. And that's, you know, I believe God's okay with me. God loves me. And now my wife loves me. And other people that have found out love me and I, you know, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. Yeah, I'm good. Well, and I love I'm happy. that. <laughs> I'm glad. <laughs> well, and I, and I, I love that, that, that you were able to be grounded in that faith and that even no matter what you heard as a, a youth growing up or as a young adult, when you went to seminary, you were get, given the opportunity to get into the the understanding and the context of the Bible and, 
so many of us don't get that. Now I did go to, absolutely. I did get a BA in theology, the wrong oh, nice. theology. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me, let me tell you really clearly here. My MDiv, my master's um, came from one of the largest and biggest named evangelical seminaries in the world. Oh, really? I won't tell you what it's called, but I will tell you that as I look on the wall to, uh -huh. to my side over here, uh -huh. the name on the bottom, the name on the bottom of this degree is Billy Graham. Really? President, President Emeritus. Really? And so, um, yes. So I, I mean, but you know, I'm still grateful for it. I learned so much. I had some of the greatest minds, some of the greatest writers and theologians and biblical scholars, but I learned how to do the research myself mm -hmm. and I learned those skills there. So I'm grateful for that. And I'm grateful that I went to school there because it gave me the skills I needed to do the work for myself. I guess that's my question <laughs> is if, if you can learn those skills at a, at a university, how many pastors, I mean, that don't get that. I mean, is it, I mean, maybe it's school to school because I wasn't in the pastor's uh, curriculum. I didn't do the pastor uh, track. So maybe I would have learned it at that school, but based on the people I know that were in school with me and that are now preachers, mm -hmm. mm -mm, I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so. Cause none oh, of them yeah. get it. None of them get it. And they don't understand. They don't understand the words and how it can be interpreted a thousand ways. They don't understand anything about why the translations are so all over the map and who they were translating for. So how, right. how can we ever correct this in the minds of people who continue to swallow the teachings that are inaccurate? It's a good question. I don't think the solution is to go completely to the other side and say, mm -hmm. well, we're just going to preach um, and, and teach all types of other theology. I mean, mm -hmm. that's, that's fine. But um, I think the, the, what helped me was the fact that this school taught textual criticism. We had mm -hmm. to establish the text from all the copies. We had to do that. We had to interpret. We had to translate the original languages. We had to compare, you know, different copies and decide which we thought was the most authentic. So it was a lot of deep work. But I think part of it, Midge, is because they're lazy. Uh. Second, you're only going to do what you're motivated to do, whether it's studying scripture or healing, you're only going to do what you're motivated to do. Mm -hmm. They have no desire to do the work to understand even the six clobber verses that we mm -hmm. all know very mm -hmm. closely. They don't care enough about that to do the work that some of us have in order to at least open up themselves to other possibilities. Mm -hmm. Whether they believe it or not, they still won't do the work. Mm -hmm. And it's because they have no investment in that. Uh-huh. Yeah. You know, they ha they have their they have their opinions already made up. So Yeah. And that's a sad thing, isn't it? When we're <laughs> when we're called to be the the people who lead the ones that need us the most. And yet we're not we're we can come out not only lazy, but sometimes very self-focused um, and we yeah. care about us. And if it doesn't, if it doesn't affect us, then we're not so willing to go out there and do for others. And, sure. and lately, you know, the selfishness and the self-focused and the, the lack of care for other people is just rampant. 
Yeah, it really is. And it, there's an agenda that, I mean, we all have our biases. We all have our canon, life canon that we bring to anything, including scripture. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that a lot of it is just an indoctrination that people mm-hmm. get. And for a lot of evangelical schools, especially because I know them, um, I've been to them. I have friends who've been taught there. I have relatives that have gone there. Um there is not as much freedom to explore. There is more of a leading in the traditional um, status quo of the denominational essay school. So I get that those people don't have the freedom. And truthfully, they haven't been given the tools. Mm-hmm. A lot of there's a lot of people that are going and getting, you know, biblical degrees, for instance, that aren't required to study Hebrew or Greek. Yeah. So, you know. And 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 that's okay. I mean, I'm not belittling anybody, but you certainly can't get to the deeper messages and speak with as much authority if you haven't done the harder work, if you haven't mm-hmm. gone there. So you're going to have to depend on other people, what they say and have done. And if you're not willing to be open to other exploration, then you're never going to even consider it. Mm. So, I don't know. It, it's It's a tough, it's a tough nut to crack. That's for yeah. sure. Well, I do believe though, that we're always in a circle of enlightenment for lack of a better word, and that we have to go through these tough times and we have to, we have to go down into the mire sometimes before we can get clarity. I was listening to a, an old podcast of Richard Rohr and they talked about descending like descent and to, to, and not descent as in Ruth Bader Ginsburg, but, (laughs) but, but just being that sometimes we just get dropped, you know, sort of like Job, you know, you go down, you get, you know, things are happening and all that. And, and it's there that we get the clarity. It's there when we have nothing else to hold on to Mm -hmm. that we Mm -hmm. get that, that God wink, or we get that person that comes in that can help us get some clarity. And I think Mm -hmm. this time in our life right now is one of those moments where spiritually our nation, although we are calling ourselves Christian, uh, we aren't, and we have to see it for what it is. And it's apparently for us <laughs> as a nation, it's almost like, you know, they, they used to say that, you know, if you, God's going to tap you and then he's going to kind of flip you <laughs> on the forehead and then he's like, he'll slap you upside the head, slap you upside the head. Yeah. yeah. And then, you know, he might get the brick. I don't know. We might, I don't know, but I feel like that's where we're at. Well, I've had a few stones thrown at me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Right after this, you're going to tell this story, but I think we have, we are in an awakening period. And if we don't choose to pay attention, I think it's not going to get better before it may get a little worse because we're, we need to be shown how bad this is going. So I hope that we'll get it. I hope we get the enlightenment. And I hope that, you know, if God sends a canoe, we'll get in. If he sends a helicopter, you know, we get in and we don't wait to drown in this lack of kindness and love and, and just decency. I really am saddened by, by what I see. Yeah. Yeah. I experienced that, that on the daily as, as you probably do too, um, because I'm such on the forefront of trying to mm-hmm. speak to my my people that I'm trying mm-hmm. to help, um, I get so much ugly responses, mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. so many negative comments and stuff like that. And um, it just, <clears throat> after a while, you become a little numb to it, but it, it just still sometimes amazes me at the depths that people will go mm-hmm. to hurt other people. Mm-hmm. 
Is that what you're talking? Go ahead. Yeah. I mean, it's just the fact that, you know, people there, again, maybe it's my age, Mitch. I don't know. But (laughs) I'm I'm telling you, when I grew up, there was this thing that, you know, the golden rule did apply and the golden rule was taught and the golden rule was expected. And my mother and father, bless their hearts, told me, you know, treat others the way you want to be treated. Yeah. And for the life of me, for this guy, it's hard for me to get my head around the fact that people find the freedom that they do to attack other people mm-hmm. so willingly and so easily. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and maybe it's just me, but I do not have that in me. Mm-hmm. Um, I have my advanced, my most advanced degree is in theology and apologetics, mm-hmm. which is the defense of faith and beliefs. I don't do that. I don't, I don't even have the energy to, to desire to do that because most of the time I find that the people that want to debate me, if they want to talk to me reasonably, I'll mm-hmm. be happy to do that. Mm-hmm. But most of the time it's with, it's not with an open mind. It's not with an open heart. It's not with open ears. It's mm-hmm. just attacking. And I don't have the time or the energy or the desire to deal with that. That's right. My goal, my focus is on helping people that I can help to make them get themselves better, to, to mm-hmm. heal, to, mm-hmm. to, to understand how God feels about them. That's yeah. my focus. It's yeah. not to, it's not to convert, you know, I'm glad there are people out there doing that, I guess, but that's not my, that's not my calling. Yeah. Um, even though I get a lot of attacks. So yeah, it is and what it is. It is what it is. Is that the stones that you were referring to the barbs and the ugly comments on your Facebook and everywhere else. Yeah. 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 Yeah, It's, and it, it, for me, just this week, it was a simple thing. I tweeted a response to someone and it wasn't even gay related. It was just talking about the, you know, the way of the world right now. And I said what I said, but I have fat fingers. So when I try to text, I and O is right next to each other. And I cannot for the (laughs) life of me get my finger on the right one. And apparently (laughs) I might be a little bit unfocused from time to time. And my proofreading doesn't always work. So I always say GID, G-I-D, and have to go back and say, okay, (laughs) that's really God. Okay. (laughs) You would think that I was Jewish and I didn't want to say, you know, write it out. But um, so I do GID and and I did FIR, F-I-R instead of F-O-R. Oh. Okay. So my post was really a good post and people were liking my post, but then these people decided, Oh, well, and, and besides that, let's hope that somebody brings spelling. Cause we were talking about what we would like the world to be. And, yeah. and I said what I would like the world to be. And they said, we would also like to have good spellers. And I was the grammar like, police, yeah. yeah. And I was like, what? And, and several people started liking that post and took it away from what the post was originally talking yeah. about just to be a barb, you know, and I'm like, mm-hmm. how, how sad is that? You know, I know. which and I did not to, engage in what kind of life they have. Right. I know, right. If that's what you care about after we were all talking about a better world and you want to come in and nag me because I can't, I have fat fingers and I can't, <laughs> the o. but I was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe it. But I, and so that's, that's like what you were saying. Sometimes you just don't have the energy. Like, why would I even say anything back to that? That is clearly, you know, your thing. And I've had the ugly comments from time to time too, with the work that I do. And there is no way to win that argument with someone who wants to stay in that box of angriness and, and just, you know, there's no way to win that. There there isn't, but what I, what I believe that every, 
every change comes most prominently through relationship. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that, um, that I tell people, especially like a, let's say a client has parents that don't support them, um, or don't accept them. You know, I understand that obviously. Um, but it's, it's what I tell them is just, there can be a point where a person begins to change when they see your life. They know this about you. They begin to see your joy. They begin to see your life. They begin to see the good. They begin to see the positive changes in you. They begin to see your growth. And there is a, um, a testimony without saying a word that happens. Mm -hmm. And I have seen many parents over my life change their minds because they have seen the happiness and joy of their child and realize, you know what, you know, something's got to be, something's not right here my, with my belief if my child is this happy and especially if they are still connected with God, yes. you know, which is, which is a thing like, you mean they can love God and, and follow Jesus and be gay? Oh. <laughs> yes, they can. Uh-huh. And sometimes they will, they, they, not every parent, obviously, but I have seen many come around to that and mm-hmm. I'm grateful for it when it happens. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So let's talk a little bit more about your, your job and how you're helping other people. How, how can people find you? Um, are you online? Do you, are you localized somewhere? Talk a little bit about that. Well, the work that you're talking about now is online. Um, mm-hmm. I, okay. I do teaching through my digital courses. Um, I do group coaching and I do individual coaching. That's, oh, and I have some books out there, but you know, I don't promote my books very much. I don't know why. I just don't. Well, let's um, do today. People can go to my website and they can look. I've got okay. fictions. I've got nonfiction. But <laughs> okay. They can find it all there. You know, um, some of the stuff I've written a while, I have several books that it's not even in print anymore. So, uh-huh. you know, I guess I, I just, I don't know. I spent most of my time trying to reach people through the digital courses and the coaching. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, that's what I do. Try well, we'll, to help folks. We'll make sure that we get that link to your website on okay. the show page so that people Thank can you. check you. you out and, and yeah, there's see a lot if, of freebies there they can get. Yeah. Oh, did you hear that guys? Freebies. <laughs> <laughs> we all love freebies. <laughs> and you also do a podcast. Tell folks about that. Yeah, uh, it's called Coffee with Keith, um, and it basically the subtitle is to helping LGBTQ plus heal their religious trauma, construct authentic affirming faith, and um, develop healthy relationships. So we talk about a lot of different subjects. On Wednesdays, it's table talks. That's where I bring guests like you, and I hope, mm. I'm hoping to get you on the show. Oh, soon. I'd love to. And uh, people that are somehow impacted in the community, whether they w- are part of, you know, I might have someone that just wants to tell their story and we talk about where they're going, their journey. I may have experts in who deal with, uh, with this subject from a therapist standpoint. Mm-hmm. So Wednesdays is table talks where I, much like you and I are doing right now. And then on Fridays, it's just me doing what I call Bible talks. And that's where I go in and take some scripture, try to look at it contextually and just share some thoughts that I have um, from my, my study for that particular text that week. That's very cool. Very cool. And I've listened to your podcast and I was very impressed and I liked it very much. So I would be honored to be on your show. Um, Well, thank you. So moving forward, um, what do you think 
is next for you? I mean, are you feeling, are you feeling good with what you're doing now? Is there anything out there that you've dreamed of that you, you kind of have in the hopper and you're thinking I'll get to it one day? <laughs> well, um, I, I have also been, and this is one of those things that most people don't know about me um, in this arena. I'm also a professional comedy magician, believe it or ah. not, and have been for well <laughs> over 20 years. One of the things that has hurt me a lot is the fact that I used to travel for many years all mm. over the country, speaking and performing in churches. Oh. Um, and because of my current stance and my current work, um, a lot of those opportunities are not going to be there. Mm. Um, some still are because, you know, they're, they're still okay. But um I guess if, if if I could move something back into my life that I mm -hmm. used to have, it would be maybe doing a little bit more public events, speaking, mm -hmm. um, breakout sessions and, and things like that. So I'm hoping that's going to happen. Um, there's some thoughts. There's been some contact with people had with me. So I'm hoping that's going to happen pretty soon and maybe in the in the arena of the LGBTQ plus mm -hmm. um session. So mm -hmm. uh, that's, that's the thing I hope will happen and open up again for me in the near future. That sounds really good. That sounds really good. Well, on this side of the pond, you know, hit up the Episcopal church. Cause we, we love y'all. <laughs> <laughs> we, we yeah. are that. And that's, I, I'm so glad I landed there because <clears throat> in the, I can understand in the place where I came from, it was almost like a breath of fresh air for, for someone mm -hmm. to be so affirming and to have it be, not just this particular church, but most Episcopal churches are going to be welcome and affirming. And I know they not are. all. Um, and and I'm, I shall not go to England anytime soon. <laughs> yeah, it's a little different there, right? It um, certainly is. <laughs> I'm part, you know, I'm a priest in the Anglican Communion, inter, you know, international. And so um, I do have the connection with priests like Episcopals and Anglicans mm -hmm. and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. But there's not a I don't I don't pastor a church and there's not a church of our communion in even in the state. So um, I actually attend my wife and I attend a uh, Episcopal church. Ah. So, yeah, for the most part, that's where we've been going. I, I have a really, really good friend that pastors a church. Um, Mark Valcourt <laughs> um, preaches in Hickory and he's an Episcopalian and he was from my school, which was very interesting that there were so many gay people like me and, and some of my other friends, I realize now we were all gay at that school and mm -hmm. I didn't know it about myself. So I of course didn't say, but they knew it about themselves, but they didn't tell anybody. Yeah. And, yeah. um, and that Mark would come out of that experience and, and still be so open and affirming to our community is really, really awesome. Mm -hmm. So, and I thought that was very interesting when you and I spoke and that, that, you know, we are so close together as far as like, I grew up in Hickory and <laughs> Yeah. associated with hickory so i think that's very funny yeah. yeah it's a nice area i'm here because of my wife i i told midge i told midge that i'm a, be I'm a beach boy i was raised on the ocean and i miss it every day but you know yeah. get down when i can so that's right that's right and i told keith that i'm here because of my wife too so. <laughs> doggone the, the spouses huh i know i wanted to be in new england I wanted oh my I never thought I went to school at Berkshire Christian College in Lenox, Massachusetts, and I never expected to come back to North Carolina ever. And my memoir will tell you how I wound up here. And it wasn't funny. But um, 
anyway, so, but when I did come here, I did meet my now wife and was able to take that journey of coming out and, and figuring it out and was able to come and, and be in this, this place where I then found the Episcopal church that has mm. changed my life and, and helped my faith journey and That's all those wonderful. cool things. So yeah, those wives, you got to watch them. They're gonna... <laughs> <laughs> I, I met my current wife in my last church, which was a conservative church. That is so, so funny. Yeah. That is uh, so needless funny. to say, some of those folks didn't like that. So that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so great. And see, I think that's the movement of God, right? I mean, how can you ever predict how yeah. you're going to run into people? The, the, you know, and I used to love that phrase, there are no coincidences. You know, I, I believe that there is a trajectory and that we're given lots of opportunities. And it may take us a few U-turns and curves for us to get back and detours to get back on the right path. But I believe that we all have a purpose and that we all need to be connected to the right people. And yeah. and when when we don't, I think it that's when we're in that flux and we don't feel whole. And we need to go back and find that path that, that helps us feel more whole. So <laughs> what else is on your heart and mind, my friend? I want you to be able to to speak your truth and tell whatever it is that you need to tell. And if we haven't covered it, I want to give you a chance to do that. Well, I mean, I think we've you know, talked a little bit too much about me, <laughs> in my opinion, but um, <laughs> I don't like to do that that much. Um, but I, I, I will, I will, I will say that what I, I want people to always remember, even though there are similarities for all people going through trauma each type of trauma, whether it's divorce trauma, whether it's grief trauma, whether it's uh, identity trauma, whatever the case may be, there are similarities in all those things. But I want people to just remember that, like we've already talked about earlier, in my case, every situation is different mm -hmm. and everybody needs to have permission. They need to give themselves permission to understand that their journey is a very individualistic one. Mm -hmm. Yes, you can get tools and help and I hope you do from people like Midge and myself, and you can get encouragement from other people. You can even get advice from other people. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, you have to do it your way. You have to do it in your time and you have to do it the way that feels right for you. And um, I respect that completely. Mm -hmm. And don't ever feel pressured to do anything. Don't, don't feel pressure to come out. Don't be <laughs> pressured, pressured to, 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 you know, buck up and do something a certain way or, you know, be pressured back into the church if you're not ready, whatever the mm -hmm. case may be. Please do you how you need to do it because that's the best way to get there. But do it. Don't stay stuck mm -hmm. because to do so, my dear friend, is going to it's going to eventually eat you up and rob you of some of the most joyful days of your life. Mm. Oh, thank you. That was beautiful. I'm really glad we met. Well, I me really too, Mitch. Am. Thank you. I really am. <laughs> Even though you didn't want to come back to North Carolina, welcome back. And, <laughs> and you know, we're not all bad people here in North no, Carolina. No, 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 no. <laughs> no, you are not. Well, you know, um, I always... I, I just always didn't believe that I was in the right spot, but I think it was because I was not in the right spot with me. And, you know, there were many times of running away from things or people, but I was really running away from the knowledge of who I really was. And to find that authentic voice, to be able to claim it through all the fears of what the church had said, 
Um, mm-hmm. And what I was thinking would happen if I would ever even entertain that thought, because I, I I'm very good, apparently, at compartmentalizing. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I did not come out until I was 30. And it was just a, you know, it's one of those things where it just it had to happen, but I fought it with everything I had and I could not do it for the longest time. But um, I was one of those ones that banged out. I mean, once I got it, I got it. Well, boom. <laughs> I'm yeah, tell yeah. everybody I'm going to live authentically. <laughs> and that I, I, ultimately we all want to get there, but some of yeah. us take different paths to get there. Oh, sure. And, you know, and so I'm, I'm happy for you. I'm happy <laughs> that it worked out for you and that you, you know, you did what you, need, you needed to do. Yeah. So that's, that's really good. Yeah. But I also respect and, and believe that everybody does need to take consideration of their safety. They need to take consideration of, of what what is so valuable to them. So for some people, authenticity is the most valuable thing for other things. You know, having a relationship with somebody that that you don't want to lose is the most right. important thing. And I, right. I have a friend that did the same thing. I mean, she's older than I am, but she has not come out at all to her family because she fears losing that relationship. And that to her is worse than, than living out authentically. And it doesn't matter right. as long as that's, that's right, right for her. That's what's exactly. right. for her. Exactly. And that's where we need to give people freedom to, to yes. make those decisions. Yes. You know, we don't like to be told what to do, nor should we tell other people the yeah. way that to live out their, you know, their yeah. identity, give them the freedom they need. And, mm-hmm. you know, I know as bisexual people, there's a lot of extra garbage that goes with that too. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's an extra thing that people have to be aware of. Yes. Uh, give people a, a little bit of grace and acceptance mm-hmm. and and space. So, mm-hmm. Yes. It's important to be visible, but it's also important to, like you said, you know, you need to do you the way the way you need to do you and don't right. be forced into anything. I and love that. One more thing that if sure. you don't mind, I'm going to say is that, is that um, I never encourage, you know, their voices need to be heard and voices need to be made and, and there needs to be changes and all this kind of stuff needs to happen. I agree with that. And I think we all agree with that. What I would be, would say is if you are in severe trauma right now, mm-hmm. if you are struggling, if you are, you know, the faith issue is a big deal, whatever. I think that it's okay to give yourself permission to be, to work on your healing before mm-hmm. you tackle the world. Oh, I, yes. Because, because the world can knock you down before you ever get a good toehold. Mm-hmm. So I think that, you know, it's just focus on yourself, focus on your healing, getting that built, mm-hmm. building your foundation of faith. And then once you feel good and strong, you'll know when it's time for you to put on the armor of whatever. Give yourself time. Yes, I agree with that 100%. And I'm glad that you said that. Excellent. So Keith, I want to thank you. Well, thank you, Mitch. Thank you. Thank you. I've enjoyed it. I have enjoyed this too. Um, And so I want to thank the listeners also for coming back each week for supporting, sharing, and listening to this podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And if you want to see more information and links to connect with Keith, his work, um, I'll post that on the Gay With God podcast show page. You can see that at empoweredmidge.podbean.com. If you are questioning whether you can be gay and be in a relationship with God, if you are authentically LGBTQIA+, God has always been within you. And even when you didn't know it, you've always been gay with God. Thank you, everybody. See you next week. Stay tuned to hear how you can join the Gay With God community and check out the Facebook 
Facebook group, Gay With God, where you can find the recently started Faith Journey Zoom group. And if you need a little coaching and support, of course, you're going to go to the show page and you might find Keith. Or if you want to find me, go to the show page at empoweredmidge.podbean.com. Go all the way down to the bottom and you'll see how to connect with me. Thank you, everybody. Have a good week and I'll see you next week. Love you. I want to invite you to become a part of the Gay With God community. How can you do that? Stay connected by messaging me your thoughts and comments in the comment section under the downloads of the show on the Gay With God show page. Subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen and share, share, share so we can increase our community outreach and be a light to those who are struggling to claim their faith. Consider being a sponsor so I can highlight your service in our community. We are all worthy of respect and a relationship with the God of our understanding. I want to thank you in advance for supporting this podcast. Together, we as a community will keep this show visible and our community stronger. Deep gratitude to my friend Tim McClendon of Tim McClendon Music for allowing me to use an excerpt from Interlude 4, a song found on his CD entitled Sundance.